All right, guys, what a week in sports. The Vikings have the greatest comeback ever. The World Cup final was one for the ages, and the Wild are back. Here we go. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How's it going, guys? Uh, surprisingly well. Ooh, I'm so good, Eric. How are you? I'm so good, too, and I think it could have been the opposite. Like, mm-hmm. in an alternate universe, we didn't have the Vikings come back, and this is a pretty somber episode. Yeah, if they had never come back, I mean, it would have just been, like, questioning everything and ranting. And I, th- I was really curious as I was watching it at halftime. I'm like, man, how's Eric going to come on the pod with this shit? Because is he going to still keep up his like fake, like we have nothing to worry about. Our record's great. Everybody calm down. Or are you going to like vent? So we don't have to worry about that. All of our, problem, all of our problems are solved. That's there a fucking alternate reality. And We're good. That's a different timeline. In But in that alternate, in that other alternate universe, Brett Favre doesn't throw the interception and Gary Anderson makes the kick. So it's a completely Ooh, yeah. different Vikings that's, team. That's the one to be in. Well, in an alternate universe, all of our listeners already follow us on Twitter and Instagram. But in this one, we still need more people to do so. So <laughs> please give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast. And also subscribe anywhere that you guys get your favorite podcast from and get the Nordy's Podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week for free. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. What are you drinking tonight? Okay, I'm drinking something kind of special, actually. This is a Blackstack beer called Stacking Bricks Scramjet. It's a very complicated name, but it's really good. It's a Northeast IPA. Super soft, pillowy, yummy. I love it. Is it easier or harder to read with the crumpled can? You, <laughs> you notice that? I, I think I got it wrong, <laughs> and I yeah. tried to uncrumple it <laughs> earlier. I cr- this is I, like the hop water incident with Eric. Yeah, uh, what's the ABV on that? Uh, zero? <laughs> um, anyway... I am drinking the most boring beer ever, but it was kind of a last minute thing. I got the Before I Die Lager from Surly. Not trying to cramp the Score North style. It just mm-hmm. happened to be one that I think in the victorious, uh, largest numerical comeback in NFL history deserved a, deserved a drink. I love that. All right, guys, I'm drinking the Circular Thoughts, uh, double dry hopped New England triple IPA. Uh, Jesus. Triple, not, not usually my thing, but... It was Modest and Black Stack. Oh, yeah. So I was like, fuck, I got to buy that. And so it's a 10 percenter. Oh, I, um, it's I saw it on the shelf and it was, I, I, I'm too cheap. I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger on 22, 24 bucks. But well, both of them got to get paid. Where I was at. Okay. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a delicious? lot. Um, yeah, it's really good. It doesn't taste like 10 percent. That's the best part about it. Yeah, that's uh, it. It tastes more like. Tastes more like like nine point five, and <laughs> it's still hot as fuck. No, it's it's a it's really tasty. Uh, I think it's going to be movie day for my students. Yeah, yep. <laughs> nice. Roll it out. Roll up the cart. VHS. All right, yeah, guys. Brave, this is Braveheart. Voyage of the Mimi. Let's go. All about the rolling out the cart. Yeah. With the movie, with the, with the you saw that cart. It's like whoa. This is gonna be a good day. A couple of things that are crazy that used to exist in school that don't anymore that kids these days will just never know. Uh, Overheads. Overhead projectors. Yeah. Overhead projector. That thing, that is like the most obsolete piece of technology. Did you have, did you have teachers that it was twofold? There was either one that just wrote on the glass of the overhead and didn't care and they just sprayed it down and wiped it off. Or it was the teacher that was constantly like holding up the little things to the light. They're like, oh, (laughs) which one is this? Which one is this? Fuck. Okay. Yeah. 
lot yeah. of time wasted there. No, um, it was like a fucking overheads, yeah, I can't board believe board. that we had the TVs that they had to rent out from the the library. That yep. was yeah, you have to roll it down. Uh, and if you're like a good suck up kid, you could go get it. Yeah, that was fun. Mm, I, I was never that kid. Was. There was I had phases. Also, uh, uh, Christmas parties in elementary school is was about as electric of a day as there was. Yeah. Well, Valentine's like, too. One twenty eighth of a slice of pot, a pizza. Yeah. And you'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> we got the entire class one pizza to share. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, that <laughs> and was And it's great. a medium. It's a Pizza Hut thin crust medium. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is going to have one sliver. I'd be like, yes, what a day. They don't care. I mean, dude, I'm preparing my, like, Mac, my youngest. They're having all these festivities this week, and it's it looks like it's going to be electric. See, my, my youngest goes to, like, a pretty granola school, and they're like, well, we don't really have any holidays to celebrate because we don't want anyone to feel marginalized. Well, it's a holiday party. So like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But they're not no, doing but like anything. they don't. They just don't celebrate anything. Yeah. Well, they should celebrate all of them then. Then they should make a point out of celebrating. Yeah, everything. exactly. Yeah, happy yeah, Hanukkah, Hanukkah, you guys. Party, Hanukkah party, Christmas party, Kwanzaa party, Festivus party, atheist, right. satanic temple, all of them. Hell yeah, <laughs> they should be doing that. That's that's what teachers are already doing. They're already indoctrinating kids with satanic stuff, aren't they? Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, that's right. Fox. That's why there's furries. <laughs> hey, how many how many litter boxes you got in your classroom, Eric? Because I heard that's I still have... that. I have four, one for each of the genders. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I really hope people know that I'm being sarcastic. Yes. All right. Um, Vikings with a historic win. They were down 33 nothing at halftime. Teams that were winning by 30 or more points were 1,458, one and one. Mm. 1,458, one and one. Uh, in the regular season, no team had ever come back from being down 30 points. And yeah, this was absolutely nuts. I was at the game. The crowd was so negative in the first half. Mm-hmm. We had a touchdown wiped off the board and people were pissed about that. But also just the team was pitiful. Mm-hmm. Nothing was working. We had two first downs. We couldn't move the ball. The defense couldn't force a punt. A special teams and a offensive uh, touchdown that we gave them. We were down 33 zip and it felt like the season was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now, in, the, in that instance... It was like the blink of an eye. It, we were down like twenty four. Like it, yeah. it felt like within eight minutes of game time, it had fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Everything had fallen apart. I didn't feel good when it was ten zip, and then seventeen. Right. I was like, oh my gosh, this is trouble. It's gonna be a blowout. Uh, so yeah, this was all really bad and rough. The the crowd was pissed, and then at, I felt for everybody who tried to halftime it here at this game because at halftime they had the mascot versus. Um, kids youth football game, which is usually a hit, yes. right? The mascots just beat the crap out of these kids. It's funny. The crowd loves it. It's like the the best halftime show of the year every year. Okay. Anytime you can watch fifth graders get concussions from playing yeah, against just, mascots, just, you got to you got to do it. Up by these mascots, it's amazing. So it's the best halftime show. No one was about it at this mm. point. Their crowd was so dead. And then on top of it, in the middle of it, the Oregon Ducks mascot gets injured. Okay, he's fake injured. He's dead on the ground. And they're like, we need a replacement. Who's it going to be? And then like smoke starts coming out. And then the Vikings chose this time to introduce their brand new mascot. His name was like Chip or something. And he's like an inflatable Viking wearing wearing um, Zubas. Wait, 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 no. wait, 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 wait. So so Victor's gone? No, I think he's still there too. I think this is another mascot. And I, I maybe well, they I didn't have two before. They had the real dude who got fired. That was yeah, like he's two gone. years ago. They've replaced him with, like, an inflatable costume, like, baby Viking. And, I mean, they probably were like, dude, people are going to love Chip. 
I, and by the way, I might be making his name up. I, I think you are. I, it wouldn't I be Chip. So upset that I don't really remember what his name was, but in my mind, it's Chip. Okay. And then I mean, they it's, were like, it's the most it's the most Nordic name you could think of too. Chip. Yeah. yeah. And nobody <laughs> cheered. Like literally, this mascot came out. <laughs> like it could not have been a worse moment for them to have. Like. But you want know what I, I think? I think he must be a good luck, you know, in, oh. his, in his entire life as, a, as a, uh, a mascot. All he knows is 39 to three and a half. He changed you know? everything. Yeah. He changed everything. So I think that they should start uh, acting as if this guy is a good luck charm, Chip. And if his name's not Chip, I'm sorry. But yeah, it, it was it was horrible timing. Mm-hmm. So uh, this game, it was looking so ugly. Everyone in the country was ready with their I told you so. Mm-hmm. Frauds, frauds, fraud stuff. And then uh, something changed. I mean, about 10% of the crowd left, I would say. And uh, people were drinking more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And it was like this, this drunk, kind of like angry crowd. And then, you know, we get the Osborne touchdown. Then we get the, what, CJ Ham touchdown. Then we get the Justin Jefferson touchdown. And then you're kind of starting to be like, oh, is this going to be a thing? And so at this point, I was like, man, they stole a touchdown from us in the first half. We would be, this would be a one score game right now if they didn't take that touchdown off the board. That was ridiculous. This one's going to be on the refs, mm-hmm. is what I started to think myself. Because if you think about it, that touchdown got taken off the board. Then they punted it down inside the five-yard line, and then we threw a pick six. So the pick six probably doesn't happen. Mm. The touchdown happens. Suddenly, we're right in this game, and that was a really heavy. Point swing. All right. Yeah. So we get back in the game even more. The defense is absolutely lighting it up. The crowd is getting louder and louder and louder and louder. You get the the touchdown to Adam Thielen. It's a one-score game. And at this point, I was like, well, we at least can blame, blame the officials. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that when – the second Sullivan recovery for a touchdown happened. And then they called it back. I have never in my life been part of an angrier mob Hmm. than that crowd was in that moment. It was the angriest, loudest, like most venomous uh, crowd I've ever been a part of. And I felt the same way. I felt so screwed over by the officials. Well, I mean, it's a good crowd. I mean, people are paying attention. They understand like what happened earlier and how this relates. The boos were so loud at that part of the game that you could not hear the official make his announcement. We didn't even know what happened because mm. you couldn't hear it. You could just see the players were mad. And like, you know, I went back and watched it on TV. You can't even hear him on TV that people are booing so loud. And so it was that moment was like, at that point, I was kind of like, there's no way we lose this game. This place, the roof is going to pop off this place. Oh my God. Like it was the most intense, angry crowd. Um, and then after that, you had the huge Dalvin Cook touchdown. That was one of the loudest moments I recall at U.S. Bank Stadium or any. How, how many game. yards was that thing? 64 or something Jeez. like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so that was huge. Obviously, you get the two-point conversion. And then it was like, oh, it felt like we were out of gas. Like, we just – we had come all the mm-hmm. way back. And it was like, were we going to have enough to, like, make the big play and uh, get ourselves to win this game and make history? Uh, I saw a lot of people uh, online saying things like, for coming back from down 33, Kirk Cousins is playing a pretty average game. And I was like, he threw for four touchdowns and 417 yards in the second half. What are you talking about? (laughs) He is just lighting the world on fire. So um, it was an incredible end. The place was electric. It was a really fun 
uh, atmosphere in the end. And I feel for all of those people who left at halftime and missed all of the fun, but paid for the ticket all the same. Mm. Yeah, they have to really be hating themselves right now. Real quick, I wanted to hop in. It looks like the new Vikings baby mascot is called Spike. Spike. I wasn't that far off. I wasn't that far off. Thank you, producer Ryan. He looks it up. It's a little, I mean, it's a little different than Chip, but yeah, okay. I get it. I mean, I can. I was in the vicinity on it. Well, dude, Spike, man. Spike, we should use Spike sparingly, right? Like, that's how I feel. Like, bring him out at clutch times. Yeah, I think so. And now I know why the Vikings didn't retweet me on it, though, because I did, I did post a tweet. You called him Chip? Yeah, there was a terrible time to introduce Chip. Um, yeah, so I did think about like, I know a lot of people left and turned it off and stuff like that, but at no point did I ever think, you know what, we should leave this game because I was just going to flip over from being passionate, hopeful Vikings fan to angry, self-loathing, team-hating Vikings fan. And like, I was going to flawlessly go between the two from half one to half two. Yeah. Which you are totally capable. Yeah. That seems about right. And I think that's, I think that in the grieving process, they call that acceptance. I think that's like stage four of that, you know? So this was the first NFC North championship for the Vikings since 2017. So we are back on top. I like the, we conquered the North stuff. That's good. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Yeah. And then uh, it's been, it's been what? Six Packers, three uh, Vikings now. And then what? One Bears. One One Bears. Bears, I think. Fuck the Packers, dude. Change of guard here. So a couple things from the game when it comes to the best non-quarterback in the league, Justin Jefferson. Um, Justin is getting cheap-shotted now at a crazy – and the Vikings have called it out. They've said now mm-hmm. this has happened like five or six games in a row. Um, I saw people trying to defend the hit that Gilmore put on him, but it's just so ridiculous um, for guys to be just lining up superstar well, Gilmore, Gilmore was getting smoked all yeah. day by him, especially in the second half. Um, that – Whatever you want to call it, double star or double uh, in, uh, I forget what they're called, but where he like fakes the out route yeah. and then faked the star route and then w- went back outside is just the filthiest precise route running that you can possibly imagine and you can't defend it. And Gilmore looked as dejected as anything. I did want to, speaking of the receivers, Eric, I wanted to ask you a question um, and this is pretty important. Do you, do you think you have a better chance of playing in next week's game over Jalen Rager or <laughs> I don't know if you guys could see this on the TV, but in that second interception that was thrown. And by the way, both interceptions were firmly on Jalen Rager, including the pick, the pick six one. for sure on Jalen Rager on both. He yeah. just completely left his quarterback out to dry on these ones. He stopped running his route on the second pick in the middle of our comeback with under eight minutes to go, down two scores, he lets them pick it off, and I thought KOC was going to kill him on the field. KOC ran out to the 15-yard line and was just screaming at him. <laughs> oh, he was just lighting him up. So yeah, I think I, if, if he didn't return punts for us, <laughs> he would have been sent to the locker room at that point and been like, just take oh, your shit off. We don't even want you back out so here. Oh, mad at him, yeah. Um, I also liked, though, that we got the, the K.J. Osborne game. I think that was oh, cool. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. He looked like a star. Um, almost 170 yards receiving. It was his first ever 100-yard game, but he was bailing us out. He was fighting for extra yards. I think he's our number two receiver at this point. Yeah. Sure. Listen, had a nice nice show as well, but right. Having having clutch hands, Thielen, you know, as your slot first down 
I know they move guys around in those positions, but having Thielen, you know, technically like on the depth chart is your number three, but really it's like two A and two B realistically. Dude, can I you mean, just right do like Thielen, quick... Thielen still can contribute? Do like a quick like ranking of of our receivers for importance, right? And include like a tight end and Dalvin. One is of our five offensive players. I would say number one is Jefferson. Of course, time a hundred. Number two is Hawkinson. It's not necessarily that Hawkinson. I was wondering where he ranked. It's not necessarily that he's killing people with like 100-yard games, but if you look at the stats for Jefferson since we brought in Hawkinson, he's just destroying teams now. So Hawkinson is enough of a threat and enough of a savvy route runner underneath that he's opening everything up for Jefferson. Well, too. like it's like, didn't it go from like Kirk was averaging like seven yards per throw without Hawkinson, and I'm making up these numbers, to like 12 yards per throw to Jefferson with yeah. Hawkinson? Like because Hawkinson yeah, is drawing enough attention that Jefferson is getting a lot more open more frequently for longer plays for bigger chunks. Then I would say it's cook. Then I would say it's Osborne because he's also your blocking wide receiver. And then I'd say Thielen is number five. Thielen is like, I would, I would switch Osborne and Thielen for now Mm -hmm. only because KJ has only had one good game. Um, or I would say, I'm not gonna say he has bad, he's had bad games. I would say he hasn't been that impactful, so if he does it for a couple more games, then I think I would bump him ahead. Okay. Uh, but for right now, I think Thielen, like if you need a seven-yard catch, like Thielen's your guy. You know, he had that out route for the touchdown or the kind of that fake corner route um, for the touchdown, which was huge. Like I think you only – he's a lot more trusted than KJ at this point, I yeah. think, uh, yeah. for some of those must-have catches. But I think as far as like athleticism and big playability, it's obviously KJ. Um I mean, Thielen's getting a little bit older as far Mm -hmm. as NFL goes. So um, I would flip-flop them for now, but I think KJ would be trending up quickly. Nice. So when it comes to record chasing, I believe Jefferson's like uh, 320-some yards away from – or 340 yards away from breaking the all-time record held by Calvin Johnson, and he's 477 yards – 377 yards away from getting to 2,000, which would make him the first ever to 2,000. I don't think that they're the Vikings are good enough to not try to go for the record. Ah, <laughs> I think so, too. Dude. I think they have to go like, for it. I hope he's like a fun guy. Like, honestly, I feel like previous coaches we've had, okay, would be like make it a point not to do it. To be like, we don't worry about records like that. I want the record. I do. I, I like. I want the Vikings to win and be successful in the playoffs. But I think I want the record almost as bad. Yeah. Because I I know what our ceiling is, and I think our ceiling Here. is what about this like game in round two? That's history, baby. What about this? That's history. And then, why not both? Yeah. Why, why not both? It's a Viking accomplishment let's, in itself. I love it. So I hope he gets the let's, record. Let's, how about we win some game? Win the rest of the games. Win the rest of the games, and Jefferson gets the record. Because if he's going to get the record, you're probably going to be close to winning anyway because he's having successful games. Yeah, so why not up. both? I think when he's on fire, we win. Oh, oh when, you're, when your best player when your best player plays well, yeah, that's kind of typical. <laughs> so, so here's another great Jefferson. This is the best Jefferson stat that I've I've heard yet. James Harden okay. plays well sometimes, and his team always loses. So there's there's people out there that. <laughs> so the most receiving yards in the first four seasons of a career. So far, number one is Michael Thomas at 5,500. Number two is Randy Moss at 5,400. Number three is Torrey Holt at 5,100. And this is is five years? First four years. Mm -hmm. Four years. Uh, Number four is Jerry Rice at 4,900. Five is A.J. Green at almost 4,900. And number six, all time, is Justin Jefferson over 4,600. 
Justin Jefferson is only on his third <laughs> a year. year and a half. Well, he, yeah, yeah, he's a two, whole year and three games to, to do it. Yeah, he's two and two Ooh. and three quarters. Is this regular done, season records? Yes, regular okay. season. So he could be to five thousand, which would be almost to third place Tory Holt by the end of this season. And he would be 500 behind Michael Thomas with a whole season to play, which he'd probably blow that out of the water by 1,300 yards or something. Oh my he God. is on a pace that we have never seen in the NFL. He is the most dominant player um, that's not a quarterback in the NFL. And when you look at the contracts, he's up. he could get an extension as early as this offseason, which I think will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, as a sign of good faith, I think the Vikings better. Yeah. yeah. I think that they they could wait and he could pay well be paid well, but I think they're gonna they're gonna really try to say mm, we could we could move some money around, we could make the cap work better for our team, and we could really pay him. I think he's gonna get a deal. So that right now, the highest paid player in the league that's not a quarterback is Aaron Donald at thirty two and a half million, mm-hmm. and then number two I think is Tyreek Hill at thirty million a year. I think Jefferson's going to get somewhere between 33 and 35, which would make him the highest paid non-quarterback in the history of football. And I don't, I don't bat I at doing that. He is that good. He is the most exciting player in the league. And I don't want to hear about any Justin Fields or something. Justin Fields is not doing anything near what Justin Jefferson is doing. So I, I love it. It's been a lot of fun and I really want this chase to happen for the record. Fun. Well, and the other thing is, we're not good enough uh, as a team right now to take our foot off the gas for any reason. No. There, there's there's no reason to look at this squad and be like, well, let's kind of coast over the finish line. Um, I think it's been since week one where we've actually played like a complete, uh, maybe Buffalo, but defensively we stunk at, at big moments. So like haven't really put together three solid phases of a game in quite some time. I'm sure there's a game where people could point to it and be like, well, they, we actually played really well here. Um, but I think it's, I think from the eye test and my short-term memory, it doesn't feel like we've put that together. So I don't think this team is anywhere near good enough um, or ready for the playoffs yet. So mm-hmm. there's no reason to stop pushing. I, I think we just need to continue to try and play our best football. We've got three, three games to wrap it up here. Um, some subpar opponents, hopefully a tanking Packers team and I hope that we can figure out a way to like enter the playoffs hot. Like it would really suck mm-hmm. if we like lose to Chicago and then lose to Green Bay and like get the three seed, you know, mm-hmm. like that would really suck. Like we have the These opportunity games, right. to, we have the opportunity to drive this thing home. I think Brock Purdy is going to fall on his face at least once. Uh, maybe it doesn't matter because their defense is so uh, dominant and they're playing such weak competition um, that all he has to do is like the Trent Dilfer of like score 14 and then the game's over essentially. I love um, the, the videos of like Brock Purdy. Is he the answer? What a great quarterback Brock Purdy is. And then I watch a highlight and it's like Brock Purdy drops back. He has five seconds of the cleanest pocket I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And then he lobs a ball to to Kittle who they shredded up the defense with their awesome little route package and the decisions that the guys had to make. And he lobs a ball 30 yards downfield to Kittle, who's 20 yards behind the defense and jogs into the end zone. Everyone's like, yeah. Rock Purdy! And I was like, I Wait. might have been able to do that. I was waiting for that! Eric scores that touchdown, you guys. If Kyle you can't Shanahan throw a ball 30 like, yards. If, the, if Kyle Shanahan was like, Eric, here's the deal. You're going to catch the ball. You're going to feel nervous, but I promise you, you know one <laughs> to get close to you. You're going to wait for three seconds, and then you're going to throw it as far as you can to Kittle. If it's in the vicinity of him, he'll catch it and walk into the end zone. I'd be like, 
okay. <laughs> that's what Eric, Eric fumbles the snap. Yeah, I would probably fumble the snap. That's how good um, the Niners are right now, though, is like yeah. it just doesn't even matter who's at quarterback. They're just an absolute. So all the more reason that the Vikings can't take their foot off the gas and we need True. to win out and hold on to this two seed, get yeah. the first round by, and then we'll play the wild card winner. You don't get a buy. Oh, you don't. Oh, sorry. We'd play. Sorry. We play Washington then. Like if, if chalk holds. Or either Washington or Detroit, probably. Yeah. Um, all right. Fine so by me, though. Stop. up this week, the Giants, they're on deck. It's a Christmas Eve game. Uh, the good news is it's going to be fun. A white out. The bad news, no white helmets. They were not real. Uh, boo. They were like, look at our sick white jerseys. There are normal white jerseys with our normal white pants. White out. And I was like, yeah, they can't I do can't anything. They ask all the fans to like buy new gear, essentially. And then they're so like, annoying. we can't even make a fucking new helmet for these guys. Don't we're like, like the that. only team in the league that's like never had a new helmet. And they're like, don't you remember when we had the gray masked throwbacks a few years ago? I'm like, dude, literally the that's same. not a new if helmet. You, that's a new face mask. If I'm you, I wear bright purple. I say fuck them. <laughs> in protest. In protest. <laughs> fuck the trend. Um, yeah. I also think, didn't the Vikings used to wear the whites at home? Wasn't that their home jersey was like the white with the yellow shoulder pad, like the, the gold shoulder pad? I have no idea. Um, I thought I they. Is, I thought that they used old, to. All old football video. Nineteen sixty-five, Eric or Ryan. When... No, this was Metrodome. This is like okay. uh, probably like the eighties and nineties. I thought. I swear, I thought you know, like Chris Carter and uh, was wearing like white in in the Metrodome, but I could be wrong. I don't think so. It doesn't look like it because they're everyone's doing articles about their winter whiteout and how it's a rarity at home. Okay. Well, never mind. Um, yeah, so here's the deal, guys. Uh, let's make our picks. Vikings, Giants. Um, it's going to be high scoring. Why? Because the Vikings don't have defense and they have a fun offense. I'm going to go. Whoa, whoa, We had a great defense for a half. Yeah, for a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that the Vikings win this game 30 to 26. Okay. I feel like I always score just like that. That's like my go-to score. It's never happened. Yeah, it never your, happened. Your four-point wheelhouse. Your oh, four-point wheelhouse. Right game, you guys. It's going to be thirty-six to thirty-five Vikings OT. Wait, is that even oh, possible man. to have that score? <laughs> An OT. Probably not. Okay, yeah. scratch the OT, and then we're good. Yeah, you get a one-pointer, a one-point <laughs> win in overtime. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um. Boy, oh boy. I want to pick the Vikings to win. I want to pick a low-scoring game. None of those things make any sense whatsoever. I'll go 40-35 Vikings. <laughs> all right. We it's, all think we it's We don't give a long. shit at this point. Like, we have no idea what to expect week to week. Da- Daniel, J- Daniel Jones is going to look like Joe Montana <laughs> yeah. against our secondary. Uh, all right, guys. Let's move on to another crazy event of Saturday, which is an all-time sports day now. Great day. Uh, that's what I saying the world cup um final between argentina and france this was kind of what we teased last week on here messi versus mbappe and i don't think that they could have delivered any more than they did it was a it was a rough day for the soccer is boring it's actually like a rough week for the soccer is boring crowd because the semifinal and the final fun yeah yeah you know the funny thing is like the first was it the first half where it ended two zip france no, was Argentina was winning 2 no. Except Argentina. Oh, yeah, Argentina, right. So, like, yes. Okay, so Argentina's up two, and I'm like, this could be kind of a boring game, right? Like, how many how many fun games have we had? And then it just started to heat up, and Mbappe, like, turned it on, and it was awesome. So much fun. Two goals in a minute from Mbappe, which is just wild at this yeah, was level. It, wasn't it, like, 30, 35 seconds or yeah, something? Yeah, first goal. Preposterous? Yeah. First goal was a, a penalty, and then he has just one of the goals of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, a chipped volley uh, where that he absolutely pounds past uh, Martinez 
And I love um, and how it's the cool thing where like as soon as you score when you're down, there's no celebration. You just run in the net and grab the ball and like go grab the set. ball. Yeah. That was bad. And then for him to score like a minute later was like, yeah, that made sense. That was badass as fuck. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was incredible. And then on top of that, they go into extra time. And you're kind of like, oh, I hope it doesn't go to penalties. I hope it doesn't go to penalties. Then, uh, you know, it kind of goes back and forth. The first part of extra time was all France. Then the middle part of extra time was all Argentina. Mm-hmm. Messi gets his goal um, in just a beautiful play. And then they were offsides by like, or they were onside by like an inch. The dude's butt is sticking out. And, yeah, and that plays, was great. that freeze frame. Uh, Martinez, Lutaro Martinez onside with his butt. And then you're kind of like, I, I was like, oh, I don't want penalties, but I also would love it if Mbappe got another goal. Mm-hmm. And he did. They yeah. get a penalty late. He scores his second penalty of the game. It goes to the penalty kicks, which is a shame. For you the think World they should Cup. just keep playing? If it was up to you, they could do another 15 or what? I think Final, you just play golden goal at that point. Like it's the final. Yeah, like even yeah. I think that's what everybody's. That's what everybody says. But like, I don't know if it if you get diminishing returns at that point. What if, what if after? What if after um, the the one twenty, just in the final, every five minutes they take a guy off. <laughs> <laughs> it was scored. People were like, "Whoa, you get down to three on three. It's like, no, dude. If you got to nine on nine, that game would be wide the fuck open. I love it. Like, I think it what would... they do for the final only is the goal actually yeah. widens. <laughs> <laughs> it's on <laughs> poles and it just moves. two goals. There's just two goals yeah, next to each other. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought it was a shame. Um, uh, Martinez, the keeper for Argentina, has been great in these. Your guy, and then, your guy, Emmy. Yeah, I think he hates Arsenal at this point, so I can't really say oh, he's my guy. you're not claiming him. And then uh, you have uh, Loris just spursing it up. Yeah, uh, for all of our Tottenham fans out there, yeah, two yeah. two Spurs moments in this tournament that were pretty big. Kane, big Kane and then this guy. Yeah, Spurs. right. Okay, I got you. Wasn't great, so that happened as well. Um, he literally couldn't stop anything. At one point, I was like, is he trying to dive out of the way of the penalties? Like, there was like that was one that was kicked directly at him and he dove. But you just, it's it's random. I mean, you just dive and maybe you save it because they kicked it to where you are. Yeah, the one that went like right into him and he just like pretty much like opened his arms and it went right through him. Like it was yeah. just, he was pathetic in it. Um, France, not, you know, I have all these students in my class that are always saying things like, oh, I can't believe these guys suck at penalties. I'd make my penalty. And I'm like, if you were in the World Cup and you had to go walk up to take a penalty, I was like, you would be shaking and your vision would be blurred and you would be so scared and so nervous that everything would be going into overdrive. You would be you'd be ha- ha- having a hard time just seeing the goal, let alone yeah. placing it in the top corner. And then on top of that, you see these guys take terrible penalties they're so scared of this moment. They're so nervous. It's too big for them that they're just like, I'm just going to get it on net. I'm going to put it on the ground left or on the ground right. And that's why yeah. there's so many saves in this world. But if you're well, Eric, hence, you have no Kyle, problem completing that touchdown pass to Kittle in that moment. Because that would be way easier than doing this. The pressure, of, the pressure of coming up to kick a penalty and having to think about it while you walk up there would be yeah. – Something I don't think people can even understand. Well, I mean, look at it's supposed to be easy, right? It's such a weird deal because it's like you're supposed to get it. And if you don't get it, you fucked up. Yeah. Well, look at the perfect example. Bukayo Saka, Jaden Sancho, and whoever else was subbed on during the Euros for England. Rashford. Three uh, perfectly capable, very good 
you know, soccer players in their own right for their own clubs. Yep. Both, all of them, you know, young talents could smash a ball probably to any corner of any net in any park in the world blindfolded. Mm -hmm. And then they come on just to take penalties and the moment becomes really big. And that goal shrinks. It's like, uh, you know, shooting free throws in the NBA final. I don't care if you're Ray Allen or Steph Curry, that rim looks a little tighter, you know, or like, you know, it just, it's kind of like the, the breadth of the moment. And let's also not discount the fact that world soccer in this regard, uh, treats these moments as significantly bigger than most American fans do. And that includes us Mm -hmm. who kind of understand it, but we also never like grew up and lived in it where like the fucking country shut down for an entire yeah. day during the work week and nobody was working. Nobody was doing, everybody was doing the same thing, which was watching Argentina football, you know, in the, they were watching Lionel Messi Yeah, and that's what they lived Some for. Some of those flyovers and from the, did you see that? Like the, the party. Bonkers. Unbelievable. Absolutely Argentina bonkers. That's the whole country. That's the whole country. And that's just, you know, their capital. So like, yep. um, I think the, I think the moment, and maybe I'm doing a poor job of describing this. The moment for players like Messi and, and the rest mm-hmm. of the Argentinians is significantly bigger than, you know, anything that we understand yep. as American sports fans. I think that the other thing is, though, is like these dudes, we think of them as like magicians because we've seen them be like, I can hit the crossbar from 30 yards out. But in reality, they're walking up for these penalties and they're thinking, do I hit it hard left or do I hit it hard right? That's mm-hmm. like the extent of it. And so this there's, moment and there's big, like. Yeah, there's like eight penalty takers in the world that can <laughs> go up slow and then watch which way the goalie dives and then hit it in the opposite direction. Everyone else is like picking a spot and hitting it as hard as they can. Yeah. Yeah. So this game, pretty crazy. Um, you know, obviously one of the historic games in World Cup history made for a pretty fun tournament. Um, I guess it's cool that Messi wins his. I'm not really a Messi fan. Um, but it was cool that he finally got his. And I would say that after all is said and done, just watching the videos of the celebrations from Argentina makes it feel kind of cool that they won. France has been to four of the last seven finals. They've won two of them. Um, they won the last one. It wouldn't have meant nearly as much to the French fans fans as it would have, as it did mean to the Argentinians. And like I saw a video today. Well, especially, of, especially, sorry, Eric, especially what Argentine fans have been through with like, arguably the greatest footballer ever hasn't really done shit in big, you know, world cup moments. I saw a video today of a homeless man being gifted a messy Jersey and he like broke down and was crying and everyone was cheering and stuff. It was like, it means so much to these people. Like, like it is so life and death for the people of Argentina. And it's like, when we think of our own fandom, if you think of like combining every sports team that you love into one team, I think that's how a lot of the countries of the world um, feel about their their soccer team and so obviously that's the case in argentina these people live and die for this national team so it was, it's it was the reverse argentina, it's the reverse argentina of the united states two things man football and starting up a coup well that was <laughs> the u.s that did that um <laughs> aren't they ousting their president every like three years well that was the cia right. back in the day but um i would say for Argentinian fans, it's the reverse of USA. We have like half the country here that's like soccer's boring, right? But nobody in Argentina thinks that. Yeah. In any yeah. way, shape, or form. Unless they're an expat that is there for like they wanted to move to a non extradition country because they <laughs> did some shit here. Um so yeah, that I, I I mean Eric, your your analogy of like combining all your sports fandom, I don't even know if that does it justice, but 
but yeah, that's that's probably the closest we could get to understanding what that feels like. Yeah. So the good news is is that the World Cup is over though, and we can get back to the real soccer of the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and yeah. that's where we're going to get a one-time event where soccer has been gone um, for a month and a half in these leagues, and everyone in the Premier League plays on the holiday of PL soccer, which is Boxing Day. That's the day after Christmas, so Monday the 26th. We get all of the teams back in action. and Not all of them. They're all but four. Most of the games are on Monday, but there's there's two matches on Tuesday. Don't tell me Liverpool plays on Tuesday. No, it's Chelsea and Bournemouth. That's the only reason I know that there's two matches on Tuesday, and then United plays Nottingham Forest. Oh, and Leeds and he play on Wednesday. Oh. Oh, okay. So there you go. So you guys are on Monday, watching Liverpool. You get uh, Brentford, Tottenham, Southampton, Brighton, Leicester, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, Fulham, Everton, Wolves, Aston Villa, Liverpool, and Arsenal, West Ham. There you go. That's so they, they've got that. Ooh, they've got that West pretty well stacked out. They've got that pretty well stacked out to make sure that we've got Brentford. We got Tottenham playing early. Probably they'll show Newcastle, Leicester. Then Liverpool, Aston Villa, and then Arsenal, West Ham, which is Can't a great, wait. great slate of matches. So we all have day. the day off. Is it? It's Monday, right? The day after Christmas. Yeah. What a day! Yeah. Can't wait. TV's gonna be on very early for me. Can't wait. All right, guys. Next thing up for us is a team that we haven't talked much about this year. We've talked about them very little, mm. uh, but it's time for us to talk about them. It's the Minnesota Wild. They are back. They are back. Love Five it. game winning streak which is the best of the year for them. Uh, Philippe Gustafson, their number two goalie, is playing like a true NHL number one for the first time in his life. He's been lights out now for about a month. And uh, the Wild are in third place in their division. I think they're fifth place in the Western Conference overall. They're on the rise. They have uh, the most wins out of the last 10 games of any team in the NHL. So exciting You you were texting me separately, Eric. You've always been a Wild fan. You've You've never not been... A wild fan. I've never wavered on the right. wild for even a Correct. second. I've always loved them, and I love them even more when they're on a five-game winning streak. Well, and then here's the other – here's the rub. You know, we're in fifth. We are we have three games in hand against the Kings, who are one point ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. And so there's there's plenty of room to make up ground there. So, Yeah, this is good stuff. But here's the best part about it. Our guy, Kirill Kaprizov, is off to one of the great starts in NHL history. Okay. Unbelievable start. So he is the 23rd fastest player to 200 points. It took him 167 games. And 23rd fastest doesn't really do justice because the game has changed so much in the past 25 years. The rules have Significantly changed. Significantly harder. Mm-hmm. The goalies have changed. Everything has changed. Scoring is way down from what it was 30, 40 years ago. So 23rd fastest doesn't even do it justice. So in, in better terms, since the year 2000, Kaprizov is the fourth fastest player to 200 points, or to, yeah, to 200 points. Um, that's faster than Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, all these guys who are just lighting up the league. The fastest guys since the year 2000, it took Crosby only 142 games. It took Ovechkin 165, Melkin 166, and Kaprizov 167. So he's on the same points pace in his career as Ovechkin and Malkin. That's which true. is nuts to think about how good this guy is. That's amazing. The fifth, fast, fifth fastest left wing in NHL history to 200 points. And the fastest wild player, I just said he took him 167 games. The second fastest wild player to 200 points is Marion Gabrick at 290 games. Oh, my so 103 Jesus. So he's games like, 
t- twice. That's as, like two seasons. But he's <laughs> yeah. double. That's amazing. Literally, it's, that's it's all. Exciting. That's almost two seasons worth. Yeah. yeah. I think this is awesome. It's so fun in the state of hockey to have a, a star player like this. And I think he's actually, um, it feels like he's having an underwhelming year, but he's like sixth in the league in points or something like that. He is a true superstar. He's by far the best wild player ever. Mm-hmm. And he is going to go down as like a generational talent. If all stays right here, he's locked up for a long time in Minnesota. Hopefully as our cap situation eases up a little bit and some of these prospects start coming through, I'm really hopeful that in the next five years, the wild are going to be top, top, top contender. Mm. What are you feeling with some of his line mates, Eric? Are you feeling like, are you seeing some advanced metrics about some of the young guys like Boldy or, or like whoever's centering him? Zuccarello playing with him, playing they're, with they're having the most success. Steel a lot, and I mean Zuccarello and him obviously have great chemistry. It's like Kaprizov goes as his line mates go. Um, I don't yeah. think that they're long for that. Like the the forwards of this team are mostly pretty pretty junk. I mean they've been without guys like Hartman, who had a massive year for us last year for almost the whole season. Felino's been in and out of the lineup. Um, Rossi hasn't really made a, a name for himself as an NHL guy yet. Um, you know, it's just been hard. I think it's been guys in and out. Uh, that's going to be the biggest thing is like, can they find a center for Kaprizov? And that's going to be the difference between him being like a generational hall of famer and like a would have, should have guy. Like if he would have just been with the right players, and it's going to be like, can they move some of these future pieces for a real partner in crime for him? And oh I know God. that there's some wild fans right now who are like Zuccarello, but he's like 34 or 35 or something. Like, yeah, yeah. he's not going to be doing this. He's Matt. Now. He's Matt Cullen at this point. Yeah, he's really a nice. Or, uh, no, no. What was the guy? Uh, sorry, Stahl. He's Eric Stahl at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's a nice player, but he's nearing the end of his time, and so they're gonna have to find him his his guy, his center, who's gonna just set him up for a decade's worth of you know. 120 point seasons and that's what we really need but it's too bad those like six four like 230 pound guys don't just grow on trees that we could just uh nab one of them up you know for cheap because you need you need your apparently they're everywhere yeah it's true (laughs) i mean literally he is he is patrick kane and he needs to find his jonathan taves that's where we're we're missing out right now I love, be I love your hype man it's getting me like excited i you know with timberwolves going on i don't watch a lot of wild um but maybe I will. I mean, if nothing else, just to watch and see what uh, our young Russian stud can do this year. Yeah, he's Jimbo's- he's incredible. He he's like appointment viewing, and the rest of the team is like kind of boring right now. That doesn't mean they're not good players. Like Boldy is going to be really good. Uh, Brodine is the most underrated defenseman in the league. They have some serious pieces on the way. Um, they've got this big young goalkeeper, Jasper Wallstead, who's going to be. He's the number one goalie prospect. He's going to be the guy. So yeah. He's going to be the guy. As we come up to the Nordies, right, where we're going to award people, you know, athletes with best athlete of the year, all that. Just a quick question to kind of help me with that. Um, if you had to rank, you know, the importance of our star players with like Ant and then JJ, and then we got, uh, you know, Kaprizov, what do you think is like the most important to the team? Jefferson. Okay. Yeah. So best, he's just most important takes the cake for everything. Jefferson is the best player that's not a quarterback in football, and he's one of like the top ten players in the whole world. Okay, he's on pace to be the greatest receiver ever. Uh, Kaprizov is probably number two, as he is like smashing records and doing things that haven't been done much. And then Ant is number three, and that is saying something right. because Ant is he's a bundle of, of potential. The- 
he's one of the like young phenoms of of the NBA, and he's suddenly playing really, really, really good. So I don't think we could go wrong. Um, there's always that that um, uh, Randy Moss and Kevin Garnett picture, and then they recreated it, kind of like fake recreated it with Jefferson and Ant. Mm-hmm. I want them to figure some three-person thing out with Kaprizov, too, because yeah. the three of them need to be in something cool together because they're like three young studs. And then you have the twins and their young stud, <laughs> um, hmm. um, Jose uh, Miranda. You, yeah. <laughs> 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 he just makes that, fun of that his name is his no, name. That's, that, Wait, yeah, oh, that's he, an actual player. Oh, yeah, Jose, oh, player. I thought yeah, you were yeah, being yeah. kind of racist yeah. and just like picking like a generic name from South America. But I'm never racist. And I'm, oh, I know, uh, real, which is great. Let's Jimbo. Let's speaking of that. Let's dive into baseball. Let's pick your brain here on uh, what the Twins could do to improve the roster. Since you, uh, <laughs> since you, no, I'm kidding. Get more dudes from Central America. They're fucking awesome. Um, I don't think the Twins have a young. St- I mean, Duran. And he's that's like 25. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's it. They don't well, have anyone good. Uh, the Twins are in a hopeless scenario. Joe, Joe Ryan, I guess, would probably be the guy, but he's not he's important like enough. Twenty-seven. At all. Like, you know, one of our no- one of our like you know fans and consistent listeners reached out and was like, "Just stop talking about the Twins." He's a huge Twins okay. fan. Because I'm like, Perfect. I think because we're always negative, but I think we'd rather just not talk about. <laughs> well, that's fine. They haven't done. They haven't done anything to compete in 10 years we gave so them a lot of coverage really for the deserve. rebrand as we should have okay I'm they, gonna don't, talk, they don't I'll really talk. deserve so the twins got rid of uh the guy who had the second most strikeouts in the history of major league baseball in miguel sano he strikes out 36.4 percent of the time second most in the history of baseball okay and oh were, and let me ask you and who do we uh what did we go out and get eric who did we replace uh, him with we replaced him with uh, Joey Gallo, who is the only player in Major League history who has a higher strikeout rate than <laughs> Miguel Sano at 37.3%. Now, the one thing I will say, the Joey Gallo one-year signing is not a bad signing. Um, no, it's it's one-year flyer on a guy with a massive bat. He fills uh, a, a need as a pretty decent corner outfielder. Um and he's obviously got an absolute hammer of a bat when he does connect. Uh, but it does feel pretty funny to me that that is, mm-hmm. um, you know, the direction that we chose to go in. Ironic, yeah. uh, and then also, um, I'm very, very, very concerned about the Twins uh, because they decided to, you know, bet it all on their ability to bring back Correa. Correa got paid until he's in his early 40s. Um, at the most disgusting numbers I've ever seen. Uh, and so it's it sucks because this team has nowhere to go from there. We're about $80 million under where we were on the salary cap last year. Uh, the top Which, range- which by the way, I think is on purpose. Uh, hmm. To do what? Just to cut to, money? Yeah, to tank I and mean, save money. At this point, you're not even, you're not even, uh, you're not even competitive. Like, no. This team was bad last year, and then on top of it, we have pretty much gutted a lot of um, what we did have in place. Uh, our pitching, uh, people we've already lost, Bundy, Archer, Fulmer, Sanchez, uh, the catcher Sanchez, uh, Sano, Correa, Ursula, and Billy Hamilton, who I didn't even realize was on the team. That right well, there signed late in the year. over $70 million in cap that we cut, and the only people that we've added so far is Kyle Farmer, a 32-year-old middle infielder um and we brought in uh what's the guy joey gallo am i missing yeah. anybody else that we brought in i mean that's uh, maybe other other oh, guys christian that are vasquez. on the christian vasquez yeah the catcher. the catcher yeah 
so that's the three pieces we moved in. Our current team is Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, Paddock Maeda, and Molly, Molly, whatever his name is. Well, um, two of those guys are coming off of Tommy John. <laughs> and then your, your, your lineup is just pitiful. Vasquez, Miranda, Polanco, Farmer, Arise, Kirloff, Buxton, Kepler, and um, Gallo. Ugh. that team Yikes. is fourth in the central and it's just a bummer and like the other thing is this well, look we look got- across look across the division eric cleveland for whatever reason is able to identify young pitching talent that yeah. can miss bats and from shane bieber to carlos carrasco and on down to some of their other young arms they're only going to get better they don't need yeah. to hit the ball a ton, but they also have really good young hitters as well. And the Twins have, I would say, a D minus scouting department. So I don't, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I, they have not done anything to be competitive in Major League Baseball for ten years. I'm not going to be told otherwise. I've tried to convince myself, like, oh, Rocco, and they're doing this and that, and they're doing small market things. It's bullshit. Mm. They could do a lot more. They choose not to. They choose to continue to make money from loyal fans while not putting a good product on the field. And I, you can't convince me otherwise. So I will even go further than that, though, because <laughs> I do want to get here. Uh, the Twins also are pretty short on prospects. And I know that baseball prospects are really hard to predict as they come through. Um, but the main guys in our system are Brooks Lee is our top prospect. He was our first round pick last year. He was a big bat. I think he's going to play third base, maybe first base in, in the pros. Um, Royce Lewis, who was the number one pick, he's obviously a star has faded a bit with him coming up being just okay. And then tearing up his knee. Um, and then Emmanuel for the second time for the second time, Emmanuel Rodriguez, a pitcher is one of our top prospects. And then the worst thing to me is that last year, a year and a half ago now, or whatever, we traded Barrios for two top prospects, Austin Martin, who was supposed to be like a fringe top 10 prospect in all of baseball is now the 12th ranked twins prospect. Mm. He is absolutely cratered in the minors. I'm not saying he can't come back, but that's not great. And then we traded for Woods Richardson, like a, a big, tall, powerful pitcher who, who knows if he'll ever make it here. So uh, it's not like we have some massive farm system Mm. like we used to back in the nineties where we were just churning out, talent everywhere we're not really well even that. even five years ago eric that was all we heard was like wait till the cavalry yeah. gets here we got eddie rosario we got these other young hitters we got nick gordon kirilov um, and... you know kirilov larnick yeah um yeah. all of that ilk and they all just are kind of meh they're all kind of meh so they're all, they're all hey let me let me say it so the kids can understand it they're all a bunch of mids hey so here's the other thing uh they did, in good Twins news, they did go from 13th best odds at the number one pick all the way up to getting the fifth pick in the draft. So they did move way up in the in the baseball lottery. I believe it's the first time they did this type of lottery in Major League Baseball. Correct. And so we there should, we won the gamble. I love it. Yeah, we, we did, did well there. So we should be bringing in another guy um, who will be ready in about four who years. Who we'll never heard of, who we'll yeah. never hear from again. Yeah. So, hey, there. I feel like, I feel like as, as with, you know, that's about as deep as I go into twins. Right My there. So God. I, I love how like a listener comes to us who listens every week and is like, you guys, you know, I can't handle the negative twin stuff. Just stop. And we're like, fuck. You. <laughs> well, I don't, don't, I don't think that do. was, Hey, we love you. I know. I don't who, think I know that you was, know who you are. And Pete, I love you. Pete, I love you. I don't, 
but I don't think it was negative. I think it's being realistic. Yeah. I think it's in a it's a it's a rational assessment of where the team management front office is at with this club. Yep. I'd feel a lot better about the Twins if they would have just taken my advice and traded Correa at the deadline for a couple of prospects and then continued on this path that they're currently on. So, um, yeah, I, I I am a little nervous about where the Twins are headed. I think it's going to be a, a dark year. Um, last thing we need to talk about is the Minnesota Timberwolves and sure. how things might not all be back in place or where we thought they were going to be this year. But the one thing that finally is looking right is, is young Anthony Edwards, who is having the best time ever. Which is and that's nice. because he's on the fucking ball all the time now. They're letting him be the playmaker. Mm-hmm. They're letting him run the offense. Everything runs Weird. through him. They were trying to play him like he was Andrew Wiggins yeah. on the on the Warriors to start the season. Like he was some backdoor slasher who like just sat in the corner until it was his turn to cut. Mm-hmm. And I think that they finally said Finch must have been like, if I'm going to go down, I'm going down with the ball in Anthony Edwards' hands. Well, I think that brings us He didn't really do that on purpose. That, that, that was forced on him. It wasn't like some great decision to sit Cat and, and, and Gobby. They both got injured. No, but I think that the decision to take the ball out of some of his other guys, especially um, D'Angelo Russell's Hello. hands, yes. and putting it in Ed, Edwards' hands. Letting Edwards be the facilitator of the offense was a for sure choice. And I think that that is going to be... Um, it brings us back to when we felt hopeful about the Wolves. That was in the playoffs last year. Right. when we saw Edwards absolutely putting on a show against um, the Memphis. Grizzlies, right? Against Memphis, he was putting on a show. The ball was in his hands. It would come down to the end of these game situations, and it would be like, well, what can Ant do? What can he create here? Yep. And I think we're like a little bit back to that. And that it's is, like That's the best place to be. It is. And so, you know, we always talk about, Jim, your whole thing is you want the team to be having fun. But yeah. My my thought on that is is if Ant's having fun, we're all probably having fun. Oh yeah, and that's Ant is like, the, is the happy barometer, right? I mean, you look at him if he's like negative in post games, if he's not smiling out there, it's because we we suck. <laughs> yeah. So him having fun is fantastic. It's a little confusing to have you know two of our max players uh, out and then kind of like feeling like, hey, is this our team? Well, it's not. It's not. And Gabby will be back within a, a week or so, and then. Um, Cat will be back at the end of the month, or actually, no, he'll be can back like mid January. We stop calling him Gobby. I love it. Don't you like Gobby's it? Gobby's a horrible nickname. I know, no, but I, I don't really. I think he's a fucking gob. So I think Gobby. I don't. Is cool. I don't like him. I think he's the worst. He's yeah, such a douchebag. I think it's a huge problem. And, uh, I just wish he was gone. I I would like. I'd take. I'd take um pennies on the dollar at this point. Yeah, I know. Way. I know. What can we get? What can we get, dude? Because we don't need him. Like I don't want to play him. He clogs up yeah. the fucking lane. He's too slow. And he, he just clogs up my Twitter with, like, conspiracy theories and bullshit. Ooh, retweeting Elon and, oh, and he's uh, French. Ooh. Well, so I was feeling pretty down because I did listen to a podcast last week where they were talking about the Timberwolves. And uh, they Bill Simmons did his trade value rankings, which is just made-up thing. Yeah. But he had um, – they had – they picked Gobert to be on their dishonorable mention, Ooh. not even in the top 75 – and they actually Oof. dishonorable mention. And then they didn't have Russell even, they didn't even mention his name. They had Towns at like 25 and oh. they had Edwards at like 16. And I was Yikes. like, Ugh. They just are so then, down in the wolves right now. And then at one point they were saying, I don't even know if you could trade Towns. 
like he's not nearly as tradable as you think he is because his contract is going to be 60 million in a few mm. years. And so they were like freaking me out. But then I watched 37 points, 11 uh, assists and seven rebounds or whatever it was from Anthony Edwards. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be okay because yeah. we have Anthony Edwards. So And he's, I, he's I, blowing I, up the Mavs right now, which is wonderful. Um, as we record, it's we're 15 and 15. They're 15 and 15. It's as important as it gets. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, Doing well so far. All right. Well, we are doing well because it was a great weekend of sports, lots of good stuff. And hopefully as we head into the holiday seasons, you guys get some extra time to watch your favorite teams and spend good time with your family. You guys can take all of our arguments as your own as you argue with your drunk uncle at the Christmas table about uh, the Twins prospects or uh should the Vikings play Justin Jefferson in week 18 if it's a meaningless game? <laughs> um, but hopefully you guys have a great uh, extended weekend and uh, listen to our other podcast uh, later this week when we post our screencast. Uh, we're going to be watching Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And we have tons of different news uh, for you guys to hear. So until then, thanks for hanging out with your good friends here at the Nordies Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>